It's four o'clock. Hey, Mutiny Radio listeners. It's four o'clock here at Mutiny Radio. It's time for Watch and Learn. It used to be an open mic long ago, but it is not anymore. Now we've have we've been doing all kinds of weird things on Saturdays. Comedy's dead, so we're definitely not doing that. But we've been reading scripts. We've been reading scripts. We've been reading Warhol Kaufman's script. We're like we're like 300 pages into the Mid-City Murder series with Mick. Uh, we're, it's, there, it's, we've already taken a spaceship into an alternate dimension. Who knows what's happening in this story? Actually, we do. Everyone knows what's happening. Uh, crazy things. So we're going to listen to a little bit more of some Bughouse Square. We'll be right back with script reading. I believe we've got Warhol Kaufman, Rachel Pinson, maybe Billy, some guy named Robert. I don't know what else is going on today. There's Billy. He was so patient last night. It's so rough when Nathan gets drunk and just railroads through everyone. Like, all these serious actors were, like, ready on the call. And then there's, like, <laughs> fucking Nathan being crazy. With, uh, but it was um, thanks, Billy, last night for doing that. All right, we're going to be back in a second with some Zoom. Mind, you Going to California with an in my heart. Someone told me there's a girl out there With love in her eyes and flowers in her hair Chances on a big jet plane Never let them tell you that we're all the same Oh, the sea was red and the sky was gray One that had tomorrow
know that mean old Frisco and that low down Sandy. Know that mean old Frisco and that low down Sandy feet. Taking my baby away and it blows back out to me. Lord, I wonder, do she ever think of me? Lord, I wonder, do she ever think of me? Lord, I don't never, and I wonder where she be. Last night with the reading, there was a weird, there was a weird um, echo. But tonight, the today the echo isn't here. So Uh, for some reason, there was a there was a delay, an echo and a delay happening. It was so weird, and I should Helen mute yourself if you're not about to speak. That helps. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was the playback from people's things. But right now, yeah, the two things. Right now, that's not happening. So everything's good. All right, Coolio. All right, I'll start. Episode, are we on? Yeah, we're good. Yep. 
We're now tuning in to Murder City, Episode 5, Sloppy Joe and a Coffee, 2015. March 3rd, 2015, and Wednesday, March 18th, Murdering McCity. Story by R. Pinson and H. Starrett. Written by Barack and Noel. Exterior. The Grand Inn Hotel. March 19th, after midnight. Preppy 2 smokes outside of the hotel on a phone. Home bums play hopscotch. The governor already chose a replacement. Before we made our case, Welliston won't be pleased. Interior, the Grand Inn Hotel, March 19th, after midnight. A man in gloves and a ski mask, wearing nondescript black, passes through shadow in the halls of the hotel. Licorice slips out of a hotel suite and disappears down a hallway. The masked, gloved man enters a hotel room at Hall's End, number 999. A moment passes. The man in the ski mask re-enters the hallway, covered in blood, carrying a toddler. They disappear down the stairs. The door to room 999 creaks open. Preppy One crawls partially into the hallway, bleeding from the throat. Preppy One dies. Mick. I got a gun again. Motherfuckers. Rheingold Crematorium, 12.01 a.m., March 18th. Clarence pours over a cemetery map in the darkened basement, holding a flashlight, cross-referencing with a large file folder. What? 47B, 1987? Now, dozer or shovel? Exterior, Rheingold Memorial Garden. Flashback, March 3rd. Herbert Jefferson and Minos Rheingold argue on the lawn. Just because you're hard and mother's easy. Exterior, Sloppy Joe's, 12.09 a.m., March 18th. A patrol car pulls up outside Sloppy Joe's delicatessen. Clooney gets out of the passenger seat. A line of tired men shuffle into the coffee shop next door. The sign in one window of the delicatessen reads, No Pepsi. Clooney signals to an older beat cop behind the wheel of the patrol car, which drives off. Sergeant Clooney brushes men aside to enter the coffee shop. His voice rings out. Where's my licorice? Rheingold Memorial Garden, flashback, March 3rd. Steve, the groundskeeper, puts tools away in the shed. He wears a large hoodie. We hear the heated voices of Minos Rheingold and Herbert Jefferson from a distance. Respect your mother in my presence and hers. Otherwise, this shall be damned, I swear, on the tomb of my Lord and Savior. Negro. Calm yourself. Steve winces. Did you just... Steve shakes his head, chuckling. <laughs> his face is partially bruised and bandaged. Steve pulls the hood over his head. Exterior, Sloppy Joe's, 12.14 a.m., March 18th. Abe sits in his station wagon, sips from a flask, keeping an eye on both the coffee shop and delicatessen. Lionel struts out of the coffee shop with a jaunty stride. Interior, coffee, 12.15 a.m., March 18th. The front door of the coffee shop closes. Men, dirty and bored, intermittently shuffle in and out of a darkened back area. A sign reads coffee. We hear a voice from the back. 
Next. Exterior, Sloppy Joe's, 1217 AM, March 18th. Hot sauce reads from a book on the corner. Uh, <clears throat> age 84, 29 slash 30, a wish list for hurtling through space semi-alone. Interior <laughs> Abe's station wagon, 1219 AM, March 18th. Abe eats a cracker, crumbs falling down his shirt. He sips from the flask. Exterior, Mid-City Public, 1221 AM, March 18th. Officer Nancy Wilson sneaks out the side exit in Dr. Scrubs, moving slowly and somewhat unsteadily. She climbs into an idling yellow cab. Interior, Nancy Wilson's condo, 1243 AM, March 18th. Nancy Wilson cautiously enters her condo, which has been ransacked and trashed. She sighs, pushing garbage aside with her foot, walking towards the bedroom. Interior, Nancy Wilson's bedroom closet, 12.45 a.m., March 18th. Nancy opens the shoebox and shouts, throwing the box. Shoes go flying. She whimpers, collapsing into fetal position, mumbling to herself. Fucking milk, Mick, Fuck. filthy Grisham. Interior, Mid-City Public ICU, 1247 AM, March 18th. Dr. Candace Jefferson stands in the doorway of an empty hospital room. Escape 5150s and big happy housewives, manic depressives, glorified weather events. Fuck. Today I won't drink until... You hear the news report from another room. Listening to NPR, report from the mayor, lies spread about me by my enemies, my constituents, understand who I represent, bless our troops, and support America. And in global news copyright, insiders with the U.S. military have claimed that classified footage retrieved recently demonstrates what may be conclusive proof of some unidentified flying object off the east coast of the United States. Dr. Candace Jefferson moves away down the hall. A gurney passes down the hall. Exterior, Daisy's Diner, 101 a.m., March 18th. Through the diner's windows, we see Daisy turn off the lights and pull the curtains closed. Darling, that's why I'm so blue. I want to hold you, my dear. Something Rheingold. Something news. The borrowed Bentley. Filthy Grisham blues. Something booze. Booze. Bruise, bruise, BJ's, bazookas. I gotta get another, I gotta get another gun. So much. It hurts me so. Interior, Abe Station Wagon, 1.31 a.m., March 18th. Abe sleeps, flask in hand, covered in crumbs. Exterior, the pretty lady, strip club, 1.47 a.m., March 18th. Kilroy and Vinyl skulk around by a side entrance, sharing a beer. I heard Candy might do a set tonight. Candy never performs anymore. You used to come here in the old days when the champagne room, 
Champagne is for fags. Liquors inside of an alley. Counting a wad of cash. Hey, little ma. Howdy, Howdy sugar. sugar. Oh. Later, darling. Slips in the side door of a pretty lady strip club. Kilroy high-fives vinyl. They pass the beer. And Abe motherfucking Washington. Shit. I should check on Nancy. Interior. Pretty lady dressing room. 1.49 a.m. March 18th. Licorice slips in the side door. Cosmopolitan candy helps the violinist Eloise with her makeup. Uh, I'm really more comfortable behind the bar. I'm not a, I'm not a stripper. Nonsense, you're great. This outfit isn't... Who's on now? Carlos stalling. Is he bartending too? I called Connie. Get her on stage. That'll be the day. Well, I guess I better... I'm ready. Licorice exits to the main stage. Pretty Lady Bar, 2.27 a.m., March 18th. Connie polishes a glass, chatting with an older beat cop. Shannon talks to Carlos by the DJ booth. A large, frowning man whispers to the mayor. A taxi driver stands by the front entrance. The sandwich business. No one comes for the sandwiches. Never been by. No offense, I work too much. Most days I just stop by McMurders. Steve shuffles mm. out of the men's room. Pedro Gomez enters through the front door. The mayor gets on stage attempting to grope Licorice, who climbs the pole. Carlos steps down from the DJ booth. A large smiling man leads the mayor off stage. Licorice climbs to the ceiling and disappears. Exterior, the pretty lady, 2.33 a.m., March 18th. Kilroy drinks a beer by himself in the street. A figure in a bright orange jumpsuit, head totally wrapped in orange bandages, wearing a reflective orange backpack, sprints and leaps from the foot roof of the strip club. The figure grabs onto a lamppost and slides down. Kilroy drops the beer. The orange-clad figure sprints away, leaping onto a parked car, then climbing a fire escape. Strip club vigilante. The vigilante. Les Avengines. Interior, the pretty lady stage, 2.37 a.m., March 18th. Shannon, the mercenary, is on stage in plain cotton underwear, lightly gyrating to high BPM drum and bass. <laughs> Interior, pretty lady, men's room, 2.41 a.m., March 18th. The large smiling man and an older beat cop share an intimate handshake. I'll see you tomorrow for the rest. Come by the deli. Will do, my man. Today's gonna be a good day. Interior, pretty lady dressing room, 2.43 a.m., March 18th. Kilroy sneaks in the side door. Eloise considers him suspiciously. Exterior, the pretty lady, 2.44 a.m., March 18th. The side door slams shut. Lionel howls in the distance. Crystal. Interior, pretty lady, dressing room, 2.45 a.m., March 18th. 
Kilroy picks it a scab. I uh, see, cause you know, you know the mayor has a. You want to see a fuck take? High property. You got pretty feet. Um. Thanks. I suppose. Kilroy moves out of the doorway. I mean, they're disgusting, and they're fucking covered in cows. That's what I like about them. Want me to massage them or something? I work up the street. Yeah? Where you work? Which place? Never mind. My balls are shaved. That's uh, quite charming. I play the violin. That's a little bit about me. Um, I fiddle, even though it's not the same thing. I, I can't. I can I can play the fiddle. I can. I can play. You can fiddle with my. You have a nice voice. That's very kind. My mother never liked my voice. She didn't want me to speak up. That's too bad. She was a bitch. I don't. I don't know. Yes. Uh, Eloise laughs. <laughs> She was a, she had a lot of problems. You have a beard? She kept the pack in line, that's for sure. I dropped mine. Eloise smiles shyly. Are you even old enough to drink? I'm old enough to, <coughs> I'm old enough to fuck. Eloise laughs. <laughs> Do you want to know where to get free first edition comics? <laughs> Kilroy inches closer to the violin as she places a hand on her purse. Uh, sure. There's this dumpster on the corner of Pine where sometimes they remain or they won't have covers, but... That sounds, um... Thank you for the info. I've said too much. I should go. Forget my name! Eloise looks at her reflection in the mirror. Kilroy darts out the door onto the main stage. Interior. The Pretty Lady Stage, 2.49 a.m., March 18th. Kilroy runs on stage from the dressing room. Candy performs a burlesque act, complete with feathers and a bustier. Is this the bathroom? Do not shit on my stage. You can't fucking poop there. Exterior. The Pretty Lady, 2.51 a.m., March 18th. A patrol car pulls up outside. Sergeant Clooney steps out the passenger side and walks up to the side entrance, knocking twice. After a moment, the door opens. Interior. The Grand Hotel flash forward, March 19th. The lab tech takes photographs, measurements, samples, and readings. An elevator dings as its doors open. And in Abe, an Abe steps off. Guess what? It's too goddamn early for. Please don't contaminate. Abe gives him a dirty look. Are you for real? My scene. Abe examines the lab tech closer. Hey, I know you. Didn't I? Uh, I'm sure I met you down on the 12th. What are you doing downtown? I must have been... Someone else. Did you work the task force? What's your name? Abe Washington, detective. 
Yeah. The Crosstown Task Force based out of headquarters. Haven't seen you there. Lab tech takes samples and photographs. Note taking on an iPad. I work odd hours, usually on site. Nice to meet you. Didn't catch your name. Would you excuse me? The lab tech walks toward an elevator, then disappears down a hallway. Exterior. The pretty lady, 301 AM, March 18th. Carlos leads Shannon to the idling Rolls Royce. Esquire's driver sits behind the wheel, dressed in black, with a touch of white and tinted sunglasses. There's still time before the drop. Senor requests to allow the man his money first, to keep him docile. A political appointment. Not good enough for this sergeant. He wants the juice, too. I thought that's what they all went into office for. You know where it is? Esquire's driver chuckles and the Rolls Royce pulls off down the road. Interior, the Grand Hotel. Flash forward, March 19th. Abe speaks with Preppy 2. In the hallway, outside of room number 999, Licorice comes out of stairway, sees Abe, and moves through a hallway. Is the baby okay? The baby I kept hearing, is it all right? Licorice ducks down another stairwell. Abe calls after her, but she's gone. Excuse me, miss. Did you say something? Excuse me. Abe rushes down the hall, opens the door to a stairwell. He finds no trace of her and begins heading into the stairwell, then reconsiders and turns back to the hallway. Preppy 2 stares at Abe coldly. Exterior, rundown duplex, 3.27 a.m., March 18th. The Rolls-Royce parks behind a dumpster by an old hippie bus on a darkened street next to the rundown duplex with one of its front doors boarded up. Interior, the Rolls-Royce, 3.29 a.m., March 18th. Carlos stares out one window as Shannon, the mercenary, cleans a snub-nosed revolver. Here. He's coming. The patrol car pulls up the street slowly, stopping in front of a rundown duplex. After a moment, Sergeant Clooney steps out from passenger side as the patrol car idles. Survivors? Clooney walks slowly up the walk toward a rundown duplex. When criminals have free reign and a cop gets canned for telling the truth, a truth at least, today something has to change. Tonight. I'm getting back in the driver's seat. Sergeant Clooney knocks hard. On the door of the duplex, the door opens. A burlap sack emerges from within, held by a shaky hand. No one breathes. Shannon begins to undress. Esquire's driver looks away. Carlos strokes Shannon's hair. Shannon sheathes a small knife in the waistband of her underwear, throwing on a light slip. She slides the revolver into a holster on her ankle, tucking her feet into a pair of high boots. We can't leave justice to the law anymore. Clooney walks down some steps and back to the car. An older beat cop sits in the driver's seat. Clooney opens the passenger side and gets inside, shutting the door behind him. After a moment, the patrol car pulls off up the road. Give me four minutes to set the charges on their fuse box. Is it on a timer? Remote signal. 
when some in around back or the basement. Should be on a timer. Carlos taps Esquire's driver. You trust this plastic? Small job, it won't blow up the house. Esquire's driver shrugs and starts the car. Carlos cocks and uncocks his gun. I have a silencer. If you hear more than six shots. Carlos cocks and uncocks his gun. Come in for backup. Carlos opens the door of the rolls and exits, wearing a small backpack. He stuffs the gun into a concealed holster, closing the door. Shannon pulls a blanket-swaddled doll baby up from the vehicle's floor. She stuffs a silenced semi-automatic handgun in under the blanket, snug against her doll. He doesn't need four minutes. Exterior, rundown duplex, 3.33 a.m., March 18th. Shannon, in his slip and heavy boots, carrying the swaddled baby doll, approaches the front walk of a rundown duplex. Her movements are languidly erratic. The mercenary has taken on a new character. Excuse me, can I borrow some sugar? I need a hit from a baby. The porch light flicks on. A curtain moves in one window. Shannon trips, stumbling, not quite falling, almost dropping the baby. My baby's upset, I need... Please, give me a hit for my baby. For my the baby. The front door opens, we hear a voice. Crackhead bitch! Crackhead bitch! Quit, quit the racket. Shannon holds out the doll baby. Some sugar? Shannon steps closer. Slut, I don't give him. Shannon Slut. inches closer. I'll suck you. Shannon drops the baby. Whoa. Shannon pulls the knife from her waistband and stabs the trapper in one eye. She ducks, lifts the baby, and removes the silent semi-automatic handgun, shooting the trapper in his stomach. The handgun chirps. As it fires, the trapper falls. Shannon pulls her knife from his eye, wiping it on her slip, returning the knife to her waistband. The porch light flickers, and the light goes on in the window. Another window illuminates on the second floor. Shannon crouches, firing the silent semi-automatic through the front door into the rundown duplex. She pulls the snub nose from her ankle holster, firing one shot through a window. We hear the sound of screams from within and the dull thud of a small explosion. Every light in the rundown duplex is extinguished simultaneously. Thanks, sugar. Shards of glass fly as three gunshots, gunshots ring loudly out one window. From inside, we hear the muffled sound of silenced automatic rifle fire, the thump of bodies falling to the ground, and a subsequent series of bangs and crashes akin to someone falling down a long flight of stairs. Shannon pushes the front door open wide. A thin shaft of light cuts through the darkness. Carlos exits through the front door of a rundown duplex, carrying a silenced automatic rifle, wearing a complicated headset and a backpack. He flicks off the headlamp and gestures to Shannon. Don't forget your baby. Do you want to burn it? Nah, baby. We own the cops. Carlos and Shannon carry their gear to the idling Rolls Royce, climb inside, and disappear into the night. Interior, the Rolls Royce, 3.37 a.m., March 18th. The Rolls Royce skids past Oppenheimer's Lounge. Shannon changes her clothes in the back. 
You were late. You went in early. Exterior, Oppenheimer's Lounge, 3.39 a.m., March 18th. The Rolls Royce peels off into a moonless night, spitting black smoke from an exhaust pipe. Kilroy tags kill on a window. I could be a detective. Interior, Oppenheimer's Lounge, flashback, March 3rd. Clara holds Steve's hand, walking him into the bar. Let's pretend this is a date. The dead stay dead. Let the dead stay dead. Let the dead stay. Episode 6, March 17th, same episode. Tuesday, bar, restaurant, comedy club, 2015, murder in Mix City. Interior, Mix office, Dawn. An impeccably dressed woman with a lacerated face knocks aggressively at Mick's door. It's my husband. The door opens. It's my husband. He's missing. May I come in? Interior, chuckle shop, Dawn. Connie fucks Warhol on stage after hours at the comedy club. Come here, Silk, now, bitch. Interior, Daisy's Diner, Dawn. Closed sign in the window. Homebums filled the diner drinking coffee. Daisy makes waffles on a large griddle. I want to hear one of them poems, hot sauce. Interior, Mordecai's table, Dawn. The maitre d' is asleep and alone, face down on a table, wearing a birthday hat. Dolores. He snores. Exterior, Oppenheimer's Lounge, Dawn. Steve, former groundskeeper in a large hoodie, walks up to the lounge closed. He knocks on the door, peers through a low window, and tries jumping to look in a higher one. Let the demons go! The angels... Exterior, mid-city's bird's eye view, Dawn. We hear mixed thoughts. Easy money ain't easy for long. There's something about it, a challenge. I used to know a girl. Mm, never mind. Later, B. Exterior, church bell tower dawn. Camus, the handsome stranger, holds up a blueprint, gazing around the empty square. He drops a large canvas bag, which lands with a heavy thud. A nondescript white van is parked beside the rectory. Interior, MPR. Murder Public Radio, FM Radio Booth, Dawn. Toulouse sits in a small, dimly lit recording studio, wearing vintage headphones and tinted glasses. He rolls a blunt. A sign reads, No candles, Toulouse! The world was Balboa's own personal ocean, and Balboa was drowning. For August Wilson used to wash his hands till they bled as though to clean away the day's pollution and find ancestry within evening found standing by open windows clothed in stethoscope. Interior, the shady motel, Dawn, an old motel with chains, padlocks, barbed wire, high fences, camera, and a searchlight. Scanning the perimeter, an overweight security guard patrols armed with a flashlight gun and the tools in an elaborate utility belt. He speaks into a walkie-talkie. I still miss her. Interior. Mid-City Chronicle newspaper office, Dawn. An editor yells at someone outside the frame. More on the mayor scandal. Can't keep letting television catch all the ding-dang break. Interior. Swanky penthouse, Dawn. Chic Lady Dolores and a pretty newscaster snuggle in a plush, king-sized bed, murmuring sweet nothing. Interior. MPR. FM radio booth, early morning. Toulouse, 
smokes of blood. And ink searching self and the night, waiting for a call of August to imply home. He lit a quiet match over the sink. Exterior, rooftop, early morning, Gloria, the dental receptionist, sits with a drummer named Chekhov. I don't feel anything. Take another. That's, that's what I do. Exterior, the pretty lady, early morning. Cosmopolitan Candy locks the door, takes the violinist Eloise's hand, and walks toward a parking lot. Clooney got fucking hammered last night. Exterior, Oppenheimer's Lounge, morning. Bohemians, Gomez and Pando share a bottle after hours. Well, that's that's really great. That's really great. The gang's the gang's blowing up. I quit the band. Everyone did. Gomez drinks from the bottle. I'm thinking of hitting the road. Maybe Toll House would come with me. <laughs> you can ride anywhere, right? I guess you could do anything. I I'm actually considering. Like I'm thinking I might potentially I could use maybe one of Toulouse's scripts and uh, you know I've been listening through your catalog hey wait man don't you know you got like some you know track down Toulouse. got some good tracks from Gomez exits Pando pours himself another drinks pours another exterior Nick's new office morning two preppy guys Get out of a cab and stand in the middle of the street. Preppy guy one mutters to preppy guy two. Interior, Daisy's Diner, morning. Winter and Frank wait for their food in a booth. Home bums plow into an enormous pile of waffles. And the stone! The freaking Frank reaches for Winter's hand. She pulls it away. The cojones! Just the stop. The huevos on this guy! He says, check it out. You don't know me. Watch my movie. It's called Episode 4? And then he goes off. He fucking blitzes all known logic. Sunflower Sutra. You know, I just heard J.P. Morgan gave the son of the Chinese Prime Minister $75,000. Eh. Per month. Seventy-five thousand per month and i saw a girl i went to school with on the cover of rolling stone what did you say huh what did you tell her frank she was in a magazine <laughs> i didn't really see her right so i you no no you go no okay you ever you ever notice how people always quote one character in a play and attribute it to the playwright? Daisy comes over and pours them coffee. He said it. He he wrote it. Yeah, yeah, but some forms of writing. It might be another voice or a different character with a script. It always is. Winner smiles at someone outside the frame. I always hate when in a movie they say, This is real life, not a movie. There is an actual world out there somewhere. These are real people, not actors. These are actors, not real people. Frank adds lots of sugar and cream to his bitch-ass coffee. 
<laughs> You've been reading? Arbitrarily? Really? I can't concentrate. Winter sips her coffee. Black. Uh. Everything's been pissing me off. Hot sauce stands, and the home mums cheer. Hot sauce! Woo! Rip with all the sauce like God! Freaking Hillary! Hot sauce, would you sign my sweet Wolverine? You wanna hear a new one? I'll listen. Hot sauce stands on a chair. Letters from a lunatic in the ashes of the evening. I'm told there's a flag on the moon. Interior, back of the diner, morning. Daisy cleans a huge pile of dishes. After a while, she sighs and drops everything to step out the side door, lighting a cigarette. Exterior. Hey, Vinyl. Vinyl pauses for a moment, rooting around in a dumpster behind the diner and returns to his task. Found anything good? Interior. Daisy's Diner, morning. Hot sauce crouches on top of the chair. We are so fucking stupid. We want to believe in anything. In a fucking flag. Not waving. Still, I'm lonely. So I want to meet God. I want to see that flag. I want to see it with my fucking hands. Exterior, back of the Daisy's Diner. Daisy shares her cigarette with vinyl. You hear the end of Hot Sauce's poem quietly from within the diner. Listening to the growls of panthers and gorillas, echoes of Sandinistas, turning pathways to the Amazon. She is digging holes in Egypt, searching for survivors. Interior, Daisy's Diner, morning. The homebums finish their waffles. Hot Sauce climbs down from the chair. Winter and Frank try and fail to signal a waiter. She wears no uniform. She holds a trumpet in one hand and a razor underneath her tongue. Who works here? You started watching the show called Significant Mother? Zuckerberg told me I have too many friends. Exterior, McMurder's fast food, afternoon. Kilroy, the skinny teen with acne, fries up some bullshit. I love a goddamn cucumber! Exterior, the Delia Conwood meets Clara O'Donnell by Leibowitz's yacht. Did you bring the stuff? Did you bring the stuff? Oh. What stuff? I just, like... Clara O'Donnell pulls back. I, I just, like, thought that sounded good. Bedelia Conwood and Clara carry a set of luggage down to the docks. Exterior, downtown alley, afternoon. Licorice walks out of an alley, counting a sizable wad of cash. The director and Pando sit beside one another on a bus stop bench, not speaking. A realtor passes down the street on the phone. Haven't exactly prosecuted any cases in a while, like a bicycle? What day is it? Where's... Okay, just need a minute to clear my head. Why am I at the water pump? <laughs> Interior. Abraham's house, afternoon. Abraham, in boxers in a bathrobe, drinks from a bottle of whiskey. A baby cries from another room. A toddler walks up to Abe, and Abe picks the child up, kissing the forehead exterior. The shady motel afternoon. Patrol car pulls up outside the shady motel. The high barbed wire gate opens slowly. Exterior, city hall, afternoon. Carlos, the limo driver, 
sits in a Rolls Royce with Shannon, the mercenary, surveying the town square. Interior, Mordecai's table. Flashback, February 14th. The mayor sits at a table with a violinist named Eloise and Gloria, the dental receptionist. Cosmopolitan Candy stands nearby. This is a real town with real people. A chic lady named Dolores <laughs> laughs by the bar. Off in a corner, Toulouse whispers to licorice. The story about a... Uh, the mayor glances around nervously. Oh, I love that one. You told me at the cabin. Are we? How is the... Uh, statutes? Limitations? Perhaps at the hotel. Gloria sighs and waves to cosmopolitan candy. Dolores, chic Dolores, whispers loudly across the bar. <laughs> Licorice leads Toulouse off towards the ladies' room. Don't fuck it. Don't fuck it. Don't do it. Dolores flashes the okay signal. Don't tell anyone. Light through yonder window breaks. It is the street, and licorice is the sun. Rise, fair sun, and kill the envious gloom. Such an odd creature. Licorice shoves Toulouse into the ladies' room. Clara O'Donnell enters the restaurant. Dolores shrieks. Clara laughs. They kiss. Exterior. City Hall evening. The driver, Carlos, sits in a Rolls Royce, taking notes on a legal pad. He absentmindedly fingers Shannon, the mercenary who stares off into the distance. Exterior, the abandoned docks. Flashback, February 8th. Adelia Conwood and Clara O'Donnell load luggage onto a yacht. One side of the vessel reads, the DDSS Oral Pleasure. Just, Just be safe. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank, thank you. Clara touches Bedelia's face. It's not you. You know. Exterior City Hall evening. Shannon touches herself and orgasms. Carlos cocks and uncocks his gun, then starts the car and drives off. I'm not going to tell my mom to listen to this one. Interior Mordecai's table, flashback, February 14th. Sheik Dolores speaks loudly. And I don't give a fuck. You know, white bitch is going to wipe his shit. <laughs> Licorice leads Toulouse out of the ladies' room. She slaps Toulouse, then kisses him. Toulouse shakes his head. Connie bartends. Exterior, mix office, evening. The Rolls Royce pulls up outside of mix office. His Bentley is not in its parking spot by the front door. Exterior, mid-city's best damn Sammy's evening. Mix steps out the front door, gets in the Bentley, and drives off. Another night and shit fucking... Exterior, mix office, evening. There is a note on Mick's door that reads, Get an answering machine. <laughs> Rolls Royce rolls away. <laughs> Slinky and Cincinnati walk past Mick's office. Cincinnati reads the Mid-City Chronicle. Slinky plays with his Rubik's Cube. Vinyl claims he saw space. Slinky drops the Rubik's Cube and picks it up. A spaceship the other day. A flying, flying saucer, What's a saucer? Flying saucer. What's a saucer? Seriously. Has anyone seen one? I'm talking about an unidentified flying object. Sometimes I wonder if I killed him. What happened that night? I heard they tried to kill Scalia. Who? The Democrats. Who's Scalia? Never mind. 
<laughs> the home bums walk past a small psychic shop. Exterior, liquor store evening. Mick exits with a large bottle of cheap vodka and two-fifths of bourbon. Filthy fucking animals. Exterior, small psychic shop evening. A sign in the window reads, partial fortunes told. Interior, crystals, crystal emporium evening. Gloria, <laughs> the receptionist, sits with the medium, touching a crystal ball. I think I should break it off with the mayor. Exterior, mid-city's best damn Sammy's evening. Home bums congregate as Mick approaches. I need a shit and a rim job. Licorice wanders off. Exterior, church bell tower night. Licorice smells the roses. She sees Camus, the handsome stranger, loading in equipment from a white van. Hey, handsome. Wanna blowy? Interior, crystals, crystal emporium night. Gloria weeps. Crystal, the medium, touches her shoulder. Oh, and he's tender. The crystal <laughs> is telling me our appointment is ending. The crystal loves all those who value my time. Exterior, kind-eyed, Daisy's diner, night. Mick steps out the front door, adjusting his zipper, gets in the Bentley, and drives off. We're doing this. Another night in shit fucking... Exterior, church bell tower night. Licorice exits to the side door, wiping her mouth, counting a thick wad of bills. The church bells ring. They are deafening. Scattered refuse of a human mind. Vince, you better help there. Stay, just stay. The Rolls Royce goes flying past the churchyard, continuing up a darkened side street. Interior, Rolls Royce night. Carlos and Shannon make out in the back while Esquire's driver pushes the vehicle forward through an ominous night. Exterior, Sloppy Joe's night. The Rolls Royce careens through the streets of Mid-City. Slinky enters the line of tired and dirty men, filing slowly into the coffee shop. Shadows move in the unlit window of Sloppy Joe's. A sign in the window as usual, reads, no Pepsi. French toast emerges from an alley. Sensei, yo nasty natty, want some company? What's the news? A lot of shooting tomorrow. What, are they making a movie? Sure. I'd avoid the traps the next few days. Bad day to be a Christian. Rosifer, sorry I axed. Cincinnati reflects. Maybe don't hang out by the fire station. Exterior, Leibowitz DDS offices night. The Rolls Royce parks a short distance from the dental office building, which has been burned to the ground. Esquire's driver and Carlos look at each other. Cole Patricio. Exterior, coffee shop night. French toast. Loaders with hot sauce. Just treat them like bottomless mimosas. Hot sauce searches his pockets. Chill down, I fill them with champagne. <laughs> Exterior, the DDSS oral pleasure flashback, February 8th. Leibowitz yacht. This is an action sequence. Leibowitz yacht mm -hmm. floats down the river. Bedelia triggers an automatically inflatable raft, which balloons up to fill the deck of a small yacht. She ties some rope 
to a loop on the raft, securing her rope to the yacht's mainsail. Bedelia's luggage rests on the deck. She unzips one of the bags, removing one-sided adhesive strips of Velcro. She affixes one side of the Velcro strip to the raft, adhering a compatible strip to her luggage. Bedelia continues until she runs out of Velcro strips and luggage. Bye, Bye, Teddy. With her luggage Velcro to the raft, which takes up most of the deck, Bedelia begins to shove the raft over Bolt's head. Bedelia rifles through zippers on her luggage, searching for something. She pulls out a clear glass bottle and a medium-sized torch. Bedelia takes a breath, starts to sob, stops herself. Bedelia zips some of her bags and continues shoving the shoving the raft over the yacht's edge. It begins to rain, then stops. One of her bags remains unzipped. Another falls over the edge of the boat to the river. Bedelia shoves the raft across the lip of the yacht and it tumbles to the river. Waves kick up. Bedelia pours clear liquid across the deck of the boat, spraying the torch across the deck until the yacht catches fire. Bedelia leaps over the edge, still holding the torch. She lands the raft, spraying her torch at the adjoining rope, then putting out the fire as the rope frays and snaps. Bedelia, out. Bedelia reaches into a bag, pulls out a few items, assembles a paddle. She begins paddling, and her life raft floats away in the firelight. Exterior, Sloppy Joe's after midnight. The hippie bus rattles unsteadily over a pothole-filled street. A figure in a bright orange jumpsuit, head covered with orange bandages, wearing an orange backpack, clings to the top of the bus. Hot sauce, cheers. Overpass by the river. After midnight. Damaged Jersey barrier by where Clara's maroon Buick went into the river. We see treetops and the barbed wire roof of the shady motel. The hippie bus flies by. An orange-clad figure wearing a reflective orange backpack, head covered in orange bandages, leaps from the roof of the hippie bus. The orange-clad figure lands in a tree, then hangs and slides down, jumping to the river shore. The orange-clad figure approaches the Shady Motel. Exterior, the Shady Motel dawn. The high barbed wire gates slowly open as a nondescript vehicle emerges and pulls out of the long shaded drive. Weeping willows line the property. A figure in an orange jumpsuit falls onto the roof of the vehicle, damaging the roof. The car swerves as the orange-clad figure strikes the windshield with the baton, shattering the glass. Interior, the nondescript vehicle dawn. A young, eager cop swerves into the ravine by a high barbed wire fence lined with weeping willows. A muffled voice from outside the car. How was your time? Exterior. Weeping Willow Lane Dawn. A figure in an orange jumpsuit pulls the young, eager cop from a nondescript vehicle, repeatedly striking him with a baton. Is there anything any one of us could even do? Quote, no woman in any country the orange-clad figure kicks a young, eager cop in the face. Did I fucking end it? A young, eager cop spits blood. The beating continues. Has political status, access, and influence? An orange-clad figure shouts, smashing the baton randomly, almost losing control. Please, no! 
my help. Young, eager cop chokes on his tongue as an orange-clad figure stomps and kicks him around the neck, head, and torso. What would it even look like? Equal to a man. An orange-clad figure swings the baton, stopping just short of the young, eager cop's head. A figure in orange breathes heavily. Woman and Politics Worldwide, edited by Barbara J. Nelson and... What can one man do in this man's world? Fade <laughs> to... Thanks, guys. No edits necessary. It was really funny today. Today I actually got it, and I felt like there were a lot of jokes in it. I enjoyed yeah, that. I enjoyed it helps when jokes. you do a whole episode at once, I think, with, with the narrative. As opposed to like, I enjoyed that very much today, Warhol. Thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, good luck, Warhol. Oh, shit. On to the next. I know uh, Robert wanted to do this three pages. I haven't actually seen it, though. Um, hey, hey, Billy. Oh, yeah, no, oh, I just have back. to look at it. I yeah. Oh, that looks classy. Oh, that Hunter looks, looks classy huh? with his. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm super classy. Have Hunter's you not health. realized how classy I am? You are fancy you and classy. Look at that. Billy, when are you. Junior... I wanted to I ask you. Junior Cotillion. Do you even know what that is about? I went to <laughs> Everything got <laughs> slow for a second. I went to a private school. I fit oh, into my I'm junior. Sorry, Billy. I'm sorry that you were scarred oh, in the show. I fit into my junior prom dress. I put it on the other night. It's 29 years old. It's from 1991, and I fit it. I can zip it up by myself and everything. I'm very, very proud of it. Your prom <laughs> dress can like rent a car. And it can. My prom dress can yeah. rent. It's 29 year old prom dress, and I can still wear it. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I see the script. Are we cast? We're cast. I've yeah, you yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah. Copy of the script. I'm not Bessie. Okay. Two characters on stage directions. Yeah. Billy, you're doing the stage directions. Okay, I'm. I'm copy the script. Yes, I do. Um, is it? What year is this? Is this like 1930? No, it's 1926. 27. 26? Okay. I was way off. All right. It's a lot like 1930. Who's the Who's the narrator? So, do you want the narrator to talk like he's from the 1930s? <laughs> I, I could do that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I don't know what he wants. The small room is a little bit too much for college. Uh, if you have any questions, Jen or about the dialogue or what it means or where it's coming from, let me know. There's You're some, listening there's some to There's some old-fashioned slang in there. So, Robert, I am going to be reading the stage directions? Right. Okay. Including the slug lines. The slug lines? Yeah. You know, exterior. Or yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Exterior. Cool. And do me a favor, all of you, don't rush it. Yeah, of course. Okay. Okay, I'm ready whenever. It's up to y'all. And then I got to buy some alcohol. Give him a chance. Give him a chance to look at it. No, I'm not rushing. I'm just saying I'm ready. And you're listening to Mutiny Radio, so we're not going to have any dead air here on the station. Thanks for tuning in. We just read Warhol Kaufman's script. 
episode five and six of the Mick Chronicles Mid City Murders. And now we are moving on to uh, Robert Philipson's play, Porter and Bessie, set in 1926. And we'll get started in just a sec here at Mutant Radio. You want me to talk about? Do you want me to talk about it? Sure. sure yeah. Anything other than dead yeah, air is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, oh, uh, let's see. Am I recording? Record on this computer. So, um, this is based on a true story. Bessie Smith was uh, a famous blues diva of the 1920s, bisexual. Um, and she was also sexually voracious. Um, she pretty much bedded anybody that she felt like, both men and women, if she could hustle them into bed. Um, at the height of her fame, she was performing in New York, and her accompanist was a black pianist by the name of Porter Granger. Porter Granger uh, uh, composed a song called Ain't Nobody's Business, which is a pretty well-known blues song. Uh, Billie Holiday did a version of it that's pretty widely known. And um, he, he was gay, um, and he wanted to get in with the gay upper crust, the gay in crowd of New York because it would help his career. One way that was to get invited to a party in Midtown Manhattan given by a guy named Carl Van Vechten, who was a writer, a white writer, who was also gay and promoting Harlem as a place to go see jazz. Turn off the, the music doesn't help because with a Zoom thing, it pulls the microphone. I, I mean, I'm it's cool that you're bye, playing. Baby. No, no, no. It's yeah. it's great. I'm just, we've tried to do music behind on the Zoom, and because oh, of the way Zooms trust work. Me, oh. I've spent the last five years focusing on sound engineering. I'm not an engineer, but I know some things about it. Yeah, it's just the Zoom thing, it picks up. It, 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 I got you, it, baby. Okay. I've been doing yeah. this all morning. <laughs> okay. All right. Should we start it up? I'll go for yeah, it. Uh, all right. Let me Porter just, and Bessie, revision two. Let me start two. with the action, and then you guys take it from there, okay? Okay. We'll pretend like a, we'll pretend like a film. Okay. So, camera rolling, sound, speed, and action. Porter and Bessie, revision two, written by Robert Philipson. Interior: a battered dressing room in Harlem, in a Harlem theater night. 
The small room is illuminated by a few working electric bulbs. Some of them are out, lining a scratched-up makeup mirror. On an open beam spanning the ceiling are thrown various dresses, feather boas and costumes. An elaborate tasseled headdress sits on a small table. Under the mirror is a counter filled with makeup and small towels. Seated on a simple wooden chair in front of the mirror is Bessie, a large dark brown woman, mid-thirties, with darkened lips and Marcel hair. She wears a light blue satin ankle-length dress and is taking off various strings of pearls. A knock is heard at the door. Porter, a natty man in his mid-thirties, dressed in a black suit and tie, enters the room with a confident stride. You were late on the encore, Porter. I didn't know you were going to do two encores. I had to catch up. They do love to ain't nobody's business. You wrote a winner there. He turns back to the mirror and continues taking off her pearls. Keep those pearls on, Bessie. We're going to a posh midtown party. The hell we are. I'm tired. Already done two shows and got another at midnight. Plenty of time to get to the party and back. Bessie slumps in her chair. Come on, Bessie. We'll have a great time. You know the ride of Carl Van Vechten. We won't be the only Negroes there. The food will be great. And they have better hooch than the swill they serve at these Harlem speakeasies. As he says this, he takes Bessie by the hands and stands her up, trying to engage her in a foxtrot. Who knows? Maybe they'll play Tain't Nobody's Business on the Victrola. In response, Bessie puts Porter's hands around her waist and engages in a sexual rocking. You know, I'd rather stay here and dance than shake that thing. We have a business relationship, Bessie. We've already been through this. You have other people for that, not just other men. Well, look who's calling the kettle black. This Carl guy, is he a pansy too? What has that got to do with anything? He's got connections, Bessie. He can get my songs to big publishing houses. He can help you out too. Bessie sits again, a disdainful smile on her face. I'm the highest paid black woman in show business. I don't owe none of that to any of you. Carlo isn't just another okay. He's not just another white man. He really appreciates music. He pulls out a folded issue of Vanity Fair from his inner coat pocket. Listen to this. Bessie Smith came out clad in a clinging garment matching the beads of silver steel. More than ever, she was like an African empress. More than ever. Like a conjure woman. Bessie is clearly moved. With shining eyes, she assumes a regal position. He wrote that about me in that big old fashion magazine. He's a fan, Bessie. Won't you come with me to his party? He really wants you there. And I'm your ticket in. I know that game. He wants me to sing for him and his fancy crown. I ain't going. As a dramatic gesture, half humorously, Porter falls to his knees in a supplicant position. As he's talking, he approaches the seated Bessie still on his knees. Please, please, Bessie. He knows people, Bessie. Bessie, important people. He wrote a, a 
terrible amount of sense. He knows I'm his doctor. With this last line, Porter pushes his face against Bessie's crotch. Bessie closes her eyes and her face registers pleasure. She places her hands on the back of Porter's head and pushes him further into her crotch. Porter stands up. Do it for me, Bessie. Do it for both of us. He holds out his hands again to Bessie. This time she takes them and more willingly allows herself to be pulled to her feet. Porter kisses her. He turns towards the door and begins leading her out of the room. But if his booze ain't no good, you'll have to fuck me like you mean it. <laughs> that was great. Thanks, guys. That, that was, was a great play. And this yeah, is awesome. Yeah, great job, guys. Yeah, you too. That Thank was you. that was fun. the most professionally read one in <laughs> oh, a while. Shit. Everyone was like acting really well and like didn't mess up their lines. That was rad. Yay. No, that was um, good. Yeah. good. Thank you. Five-minute help, Robert. The five-minute help. <laughs> he was right. Just a little bit of work makes all the difference in the world. Well, well that you know great. what, guys? I have another script that I'd like to have you do at some point in the future. Uh, Barack has already seen it, so I think he can vouch for it. Uh, sure. sure, yeah. I'll vouch. Huh? You, honestly, if you want to let people know what you really do, uh, showing them, like, linking them to Congo Cabaret would actually key them into who you are and why yeah, okay. this is a thing that we're doing. Okay. Yeah, um, and we can... I could explain it, but it'd be cool if you just saw it, I think. And there's um, open times on the station a lot, so just you can... I beg your pardon? There's open times on the station to be able to, because we're just streaming this live through Mutiny. Um, you just... That that message put stuff in there, and there's a there's a bunch of different times. Like we could do tomorrow from four to six. There's Monday, from six to eight. There's just a lot of times. There's Wednesday, and so once you're kind of keyed into the group, you can put your scripts out there and cast them, or you know, get people to read. It's it's a it's a good group. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, eventually, what I end up with is like fully realized film. So this is. You know, this is like a dry run, you know. You know. Yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're partially realizing things. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Glad to be a part of the partial thing. And I'm happy to play Congo Cabaret for you guys. I, I, um, I, I would yeah, I mean, I think it's a beautiful out. film, you know, and then people would sort of understand the context because we're all just showing up. Like sometimes people come in from Denver, New York. Sometimes people are comics that we all know. It's just like, yeah. Well, how would you suggest? Yes, I was standing there, I was wondering, is she coming back home again? Blow one more
slipping by. I'm gonna party.
that's the Rolling Stones from their, uh, I don't know, I say their last great record, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, that's me. And this is Bug House Square. It's Mutiny Radio. It's a radio station. It's a performance space located on the corner of 21st in Florida in the beautiful Mission, where it's always flat and sometimes sunny. And it's um, it's a sunny morning. There you go. Mr. Jizzle, hope you have a good one. Be safe. Be safe. Take two steps back to the side. Swish. My, oh my. Take two steps back to the side. Swish. My, oh my. Loudy, loudy. Showtime, dead end. Big game in, cause we gon' get it in. Rolling softly, softly like a bin. Ice dripping, you know how.
saw him smile I knew he was just my style My only regret Is we've never met For I dream of him all the while But he doesn't know I exist No matter how I may persist So it's clear to see There's no hope for me Though I live at 5135 Kensington Avenue And he lives at Yeah, that's uh, The Boy Next Door off the Love is a Drag record. Um, one of my uh, better uh, acquisitions this year. Uh, for adult listeners only, sultry styles, stylings by a most unusual vocalist. Um, yeah, going back to the basement. This is Trance, T-Y-R-A-N-T-Z. They're uh, somewhere out of Arizona. Uh, this song's called Lies and Deceit. Yes, trample people under your feet. I'm turning that up. We got the thing chasing its tail. Always a good sign. Uh, trance, yeah, we're. Um Yeah. 
Yeah, that's Alice Cooper from the Welcome to My Nightmare record, uh, the Department of Youth. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I heard about them. Um, uh, 27 still alive. Uh, these guys, uh, uh, they cracked me up. They, they called in. We did a little interview uh, back in the early part of the year. They're from Texarkana, Texas. Um, shipping a bottle is what this is called. And uh, let's see, let me turn that up. And we're touching that. Uh, circle, chasing its tail. Good sign. It has accepted my request and is processing. Here we go.
like our shoes. In the morning we shake our scorpions. In the morning we check our shoes. In the morning we shake our scorpions. Check for pit snakes under cheap seats. Check for pit snakes under cheap seats. We're not lost. Balancing Act. Uh, we're not lost. Nope. Uh, going back to the basement. Uh, Noble Savages. They're out of San Francisco. Um, they do this and record it all in their um, little domicile. Uh, let's see. We're going to do... Um, eh, let's do... Uh, uh, Dormant Desire. Let's see how that works. Uh, Dormant Desire. If you dig this, Noble Savages, look for them on SoundCloud. Um, that's prompting me to p touch it again. I like that. Uh, the dots are going. Um, here we go. I've been tossing and turning and tossing and turning. Can't sleep at night. I've been making mistakes, but I'm constantly learning. All right. But I'm caught in this chapter of life I'm just waiting my turn in this little disaster of mine This 
Yeah, it's the Golden Hearts uh, from their Is There Love on Mars. Just a great record. Uh, the Golden Hearts, uh, look them up. Uh, yeah, that's a song for Dan Daniel J. Uh, going back to the basement, this is uh, the Human Sound um, from the Human Sound record. They're out of Boulder, Colorado. Uh, the song's called Surfing. Uh, electric sunrise so if you dig this go to Bandcamp and look for the human sound uh, let me turn that up we're touching this please respond all right dots are going in a circular fashion <laughs>
Yeah, that's the Ventures from the Knock Me Out record. Uh, Lonely Girl, I think that was. Lonely Girl. Yeah, poor thing. Um, going back to the basement, it's the last one uh, for today. There's so many. Man, I'm just back in, I'm in the March. So probably next couple shows, we might do some rever uh, uh, revisiting of uh, 2019. Uh, we're going to do this. Uh, those of you, hope you have a, a, a good new year and a positive outlook for what's to come. Uh, remember, we got to, um, uh, you know, we got to got to work tight and work together and and uh, uh, and be tolerant. I'm standing by the tolerance thing um, because I think it it it, uh, it encompasses everything. You know, uh, they are truly intolerant and. Um, yeah, uh, to tolerate the intolerance is, um, it's, it's uh, mind-bending, but just if you start near yourself and we can work out from there and then uh, all these little, uh, uh, you know, things start to intersect and touch one another and it gets bigger and bigger. And so uh, thanks for doing what you got to do to do. Uh, it's been Bug House Square, Mutiny Radio. Thank you, Pam, for doing all the, the things that you have to do to, to make it happen. And uh, look through the website. There's uh, Comedy Fest is coming up in the spring. If you're coming into town, uh, you might want to work that into your shedge. Uh, well, this is uh, one Temple of Switches, if you dig this. Temple of Switches. I just love this name. Song's called Circling the Sky. Um, if you dig it, it's on SoundCloud. Hold on, uh, I'm going to touch that, and uh, circling the sky, the dots are going, that's a good sign, I've got that up, here we go.